BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. A lot of the time when we report on lawsuits and court cases, we don't really care about the judge. Today, we want to talk about a judge. I mean, he presented himself like this laid back kind of chill dude. He gets up on the bench and he's got his robe unzipped. He got a lot of love for his intergalactic space themed tie. Oh, yeah, he definitely like peacocked it at the end. You may have never heard of Judge William Alsop, but you probably know about his rulings. Like at one point, he was the guy who blocked President Trump's attempt to end DACA. Now Judge Alsop is overseeing a major case centered on climate change here in the Bay Area. This week, he asked to be schooled in his courtroom on the science of climate change. Today, who is Judge William Alsop? I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. We're going to talk about what happened in the courtroom this week. But first, we're going inside Judge Alsop's chambers. Not too many people are allowed in any judge's chamber, especially reporters. But last fall, Sarah Jong, a writer with The Verge, she got in. It's got all of the typical leather-bound books, uh, that cherry-stained desk. Um, and Stuff then that we might got, think of uh, when we see it in the movies. As, as judge, judgely, right? But then you also have a couch that's covered in dog toys. Dog um, toys. So he has yeah. a dog. Yes, he has a Jack Russell Terrier that he sometimes brings to the office. Then he also has like random things sort of strewn everywhere gadgets and a giant easel with um, paper and like some diagrams on them. There were corners of his chambers that looked like he was almost in the middle of playing around with something, and it looked like it all had to do with his work. <laughs> wow. He definitely seems like, like a character. And I think when we think of judges, we don't necessarily think of characters. We think of black robes. We think of very formal. Where is he from? So he's from Jackson, Mississippi. He comes from another era where his parents came up during the Great Depression, essentially. What was he like as a kid? Um, So I talked to his childhood friend. They would, you know, run around and get into trouble, throw dirt clods at each other, uh, launch flaming matches from clothespins, you know, kid stuff. But the thing where he launched flaming matches from clothespins, he invented that. He was constantly making little inventions, um, hacking pianos so that they sounded more old timey. Uh, And they were really (laughs) interested in ham radio and got really, like, obsessed with ham radio. They would tune in and listen to the hams. I remember something that you wrote 
in in your profile about him having access to the radio and kind of it opening up different worlds outside of Mississippi? Judge Alsop himself, I don't think ever thought that he was going to leave Mississippi. Like he went to Mississippi State and was going to be a civil engineer just like his dad. It seems like a lot of his childhood friends stayed in Mississippi too, but the ham radio was what sort of opened up the whole world to them. Okay, so when he was a young man and he was at Mississippi State, what was shaping his world? What was going on around him at the time? The civil rights movement was going on at the time. Freedom Now movement, hear me. We are requesting all citizens to move into Washington. The March on Washington happened. Free at last! Free at last! Thank God Almighty! We are free at last! The Civil Rights Act was passed while he was still in college. Meanwhile, he had joined like the debate team, so he was debating these issues a lot. And the friends he met through debate uh, were almost all planning on going to law school. They were all planning on being lawyers, and that was sort of the first moment he began to consider doing something other than, you know, becoming his father. That's a pretty uh, quintessential time. It's a pretty historic time to be a young man in America and and an interesting place to experience the civil rights movement. Did he say anything about that having a big impact on him? Oh, yeah. He said that he went to law school because he wanted to be Atticus Finch. Now, gentlemen, in this country, our courts are the great levelers. And actually, <laughs> after his Supreme Court, court clerkship, he came back to Mississippi and um, set up shop. He wanted to be like a civil rights lawyer. But it turns out you can't really make money as a civil rights lawyer. So uh, that's when they packed up and moved to San Francisco. What year was Judge William Alsop appointed to the Northern California District Court? 1999. Since that time, if you had to pick just one thing, what do you think he's become known for? Well, from my perspective, because I'm a technology journalist, it would be that he's known as the judge who learned Java while adjudicating this case about Java and Android. Tech giants Google and Oracle are going back to court for the second time over intellectual property. It all began six years ago when Oracle sued Google for using the application programming interface tied to Java. And Judge Alsop came back and said, I just don't see how this is a big deal. I've written functions like this a million times. That was a moment that sort of blew up into this, oh my God, the judge taught himself to code for this trial. Hearing his background and hearing how he likes to fidget around and create things, I'm actually not surprised to hear that. Yeah, I mean, the other wrinkle is that he's been coding since the 90s in his spare time because he enjoys that. It's not Java, but he is really well-versed in sort of the basics. How do you think his background from studying at Mississippi State to wanting to be another Atticus Finch working in civil rights, how do you think that's shaped or has that shaped any of his decisions that he's made since he's been a federal court judge? I think it is enough to say that he's the the product of another era. And a lot of people in the in the federal judiciary, just because of their age and just because of their experience, come from a place where they saw the civil rights movement, they saw what was necessary, and they believed in sort of the big project of the legal system at that time. I don't really know his political views, uh, and I think that he really abstains from talking about them. But I think that wanting to become Atticus Finch probably says something about uh, how he doesn't have a neutral view of the legal system. He thinks that the legal system should be changing the world and should be helping little people. 
Sarah, thank you so much. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. That's reporter Sarah Jong with The Verge. When we come back, we'll talk about the court hearing this week where Judge Alsop asked to be schooled on climate change. And I'll take a short quiz. Judge William Alsop did something in court this week that drew a lot of attention. He asked for a tutorial on climate change. And this is a huge deal because this isn't often talked about in court. This guy likes tutorials. He said, this isn't that big a deal. I've done this before. In this case, Oakland and San Francisco are suing ConocoPhillips, Exxon, BP, Chevron, and Shell for essentially being responsible for sea level rise and for misleading the public about climate change. Molly Peterson is a science reporter for KQED, and she was at this week's hearing. I was surprised. I thought I could get there by 7 o'clock and have plenty of time to get a seat. But the overflow courtroom was packed, too. There was a very weird moment where he, he, he I'm paraphrasing here, but he kind of said, in preparing for this tutorial, I watched An Inconvenient Truth. You know the Al Gore movie? If you look at the 10 hottest years ever measured, they've all occurred in the last 14 years. And the hottest of all was 2005. And he's talking to um, Ted Budras, the lawyer for Chevron. And he said, yeah, I've seen it, too. So everyone's talking about how they watch the Al Gore movie. Uh, so, so Judge Alsop presents himself as this kind of laid back guy. He's got this unzipped robe. He's got this tie that's got some sort of intergalactic picture on it. What does a regular guy want to know about climate change? Well, he's kind of a regular guy plus, and I'm going to show you this because uh, I've got some questions here that he specifically wanted answered. So um, why don't I give you a couple of of examples, and I'll let you pick one of the two. (laughs) All right, I'm game. Let's do this. Okay, cool. Okay, what caused the various ice ages, including the Little Ice Age and prolonged cooling period, and what caused the ice to melt when they melted by how much did sea level rise? (sighs) By the way, there was no way I was going to take that question. Okay, hold on. There's another choice. Okay. And this one starts out in a way that I think you and I can both get down with. So, (laughs) in grade school, many of us were taught that humans exhale carbon dioxide, but plants absorb carbon dioxide and return oxygen to the air. Is this still valid? So I'll take that question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah, it's still valid. I, I I buy it. I mean, it it seems pretty simple. You held on to your grade school knowledge. You are a functioning adult in society. Oh my you know enough God. science. You're doing great. I didn't know there was so much pressure on that question. What if I said something else? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure the answers the lawyers provided were much, much longer. Okay. okay. So, okay, this is a little trickier one. If if this is all true, this thing we just talked about, why hasn't plant life turned the higher levels of carbon dioxide back into oxygen? All right, so I got this one. Plants... <laughs> Plants can only do so much. They're, they can't be responsible for all that reproduction, right? Not only that, but there's got to be fewer plants in the world. We're crushing plants here and there. We're building stuff. We're, we're taking them down. So my, my answer is that it's because we're, we're taking down more plants. And also, there's also more, pe- more people. How's that? My work here is done <laughs> as a science educator. <laughs> So, so what? So, Judge Alsop is is asking these easier questions, but also these super complicated questions, 
in the hopes that what what that he sets the the the, the rules the bar for going forward or what's he doing trying to get out of this I mean it's a complicated chain of circumstances that the cities have to prove in order to hold these guys responsible the cities are saying that oil companies are responsible for a public nuisance and a public nuisance is they produced they extracted they sold this oil this these fossil fuels they were burned they were consumed and they misled the public about the risks and the consequences of that because they wanted to keep making money. Hmm. And so in order to prove that, you got to prove a lot of stuff about what scientists knew and what the oil companies might have known at the time. Hmm. And you need to prove, you know, you need to be able to sort of answer the question, well, how do you know it was our fossil fuels and that sort of thing? Hmm. So there was a time when people thought there was no way anyone was going to ever hold uh, tobacco companies responsible for smoking and lung cancer. And some uh, historians of science, some science communicators I talked to compare these two kinds of cases and say, you know, this is a very hard problem to solve and it's a hard problem to hold somebody responsible for, but maybe these companies are responsible for it. So that's what's going on here. Thank you so much for speaking with us, giving me a quiz. Uh, My pleasure. Way to pass it. (laughs) In San Francisco, the city is worried about paying billions of dollars for a wall to prevent damage from rising sea levels. Oakland is worried about places like the airport and Jack London Square, which are both right on the waterfront. The fossil fuel companies are still fighting to have the case dismissed. Meanwhile, a number of other lawsuits from cities like Richmond and counties like Marin and San Mateo have also sued oil companies challenging the effects of climate change. The Bay is produced by Vinnie Tong, who is trying to keep a low profile this weekend. Except. Well, okay, what's really frightening is when you have a child and then there's like no plans and you're like, oh my God, how am I going to entertain him all day long? And producer Erica Aguilar, who's going to be causing some trouble on our streets this weekend. Ooh, I'm meeting up with some uh, former SoCal folks. Sorry, y'all. Oh, SoCal, man, this is the Bay. Our senior editors are Julia McAvoy, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Have a great weekend. So if you're looking for something to do this weekend, why don't you catch up on Political Breakdown? Scott Schaefer and Marisa Lagos talk with people doing politics to give you a sense of who's making the decisions around the state. It is uh, a much uh, more rewarding uh, mental health control than many of the other substances that lawyers tend to engage (laughs) in. Or reading comments on Twitter. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) There you go. Political breakdown. Good for your mental health. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. 
So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 